Welcome to the Arborist News audio podcast, brought to you by the International Society of Arboriculture. This audio version of the Arborist News CEU article is voiced by Paul Johnson, Urban Forestry Program Coordinator with Texas A&M Forest Service. This month's article is Arborists and Wildlife, Retaining Trees for Wildlife Habitat by Brian French. Arborists and Wildlife, Retaining Trees for Wildlife Habitat by Brian French. Objectives. Explain the effects of urbanization and modern tree work on wildlife habitat. Understand the survival needs of nesting animals when removing or retaining trees or parts of trees. Consider what tree features to preserve for wildlife habitat. An arborist's work focuses on the care and management of trees, generally in urban and suburban areas. Many species of wildlife use trees for the purposes of reproduction, shelter, and food sources. In cities, the survival of tree-dependent wildlife species is influenced by how arborists manage trees. There's little direction for arborists at this time on how to work around urban wildlife. This article seeks to offer some perspective on key concepts of an ever-changing complex topic. Forests converted into cities. According to the World Resource Institute, more than 80% of Earth's natural forests have been destroyed. The effects of urbanization are impacting the biophysical environment and available habitat for wildlife species. Currently, habitat loss and climate change are the main reasons for the decline of most wildlife populations worldwide. The question remains, what is the arborist's impact on wildlife and wildlife habitat? The Cornell Lab of Ornithology reports that about 20% of the world's birds live in cities. In North America, 82% of people live in urban areas, and this percentage is expected to increase. When we consider that our cities are both expanding and filling in, we should acknowledge that these trends are impacting wildlands and wildlife. Furthermore, although city sprawl and infill may ebb and flow, the impacts of urbanization can be longer-lasting than other types of habitat loss. As cities expand and forests shrink, we can expect urban forests and arborists to play a larger role in wildlife management. The arborist's changing role may expand into three main areas, addressing issues on impacting nesting wildlife, conserving existing wildlife habitat in trees, and creating wildlife habitat within trees. Avoiding nesting wildlife. Wildlife is defined as collectively non-domesticated fauna native to a region. In an arboriculture-related context, we might highlight birds and other animals that depend on trees as wildlife that we may inherently disrupt through our work. All arborists should be familiar with regulatory laws that protect wildlife, as well as laws that may prohibit work in and around nested trees during breeding seasons. The United States has the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, MBTA, of 1918. In Canada, these laws fall under the Migratory Birds Convention Act, MBCA. Nearly every bird you see in these countries are protected. However, there are some birds that are not protected, such as European starlings, which are invasive and displace native birds. The MBTA and MBCA prohibit moving, possessing, collecting, harming, killing, or disturbing active nests, eggs, or birds of protected species. Violations may lead to fines and, in some cases, imprisonment. New Zealand's protected species are regulated under the Wildlife Act of 1953. All vertebrates are protected, including mammals, such as the New Zealand long-tailed bat, which is a tree cavity-dwelling species. 
As arborists, we are trained to carry out daily worksite inspections to identify hazards and discuss strategies for staying safe while working. To avoid confrontation with wildlife and protected species, should we not also conduct a wildlife survey before the work begins? The answer is yes, we should. At minimum, during nesting season, a visual inspection should be carried out at the time of the estimate or work plan discussion. If protected species are active, then work may need to be postponed until after the nesting period, especially if the tree is to be removed. Nesting seasons vary throughout the world due to temperature, annual precipitation, elevation, dry season, and other factors. In North America, most nesting seasons occur between February and August. Although some species, like screech owl, may begin as early as January in the Pacific Northwest region, Peak nesting season is the most critical time of the year in the Pacific Northwest and is found between May and July. Knowing when the nesting season begins and ends in your region is prudent to avoid conflict on the job site. Imagine having to stop work in April, postpone, and then reschedule for August because the project planner or estimator was unaware of such federal laws. Another consideration is knowing where birds prefer to build their nests. Birds such as kestrel, Nuthatch and swifts are cavity-dwelling species that live inside trees, whereas geese, killdeer, grouse, and savanna sparrow nest on the ground. Nesting behavior can be divided into the following groups. Tree nesting, ground nesting, ground cavity nesting, shrub nesting, standing snag nesting, and cut bank nesting. No matter what type of nest a species prefers, if the species is protected, there is exposure of an arborist to liability while they perform their work. Not destroying active nests is everyone's responsibility. As professional arborists, we can even take it a step further by implementing wildlife protocols into our businesses and training regimens to be cognizant of these things during work practices. Additionally, arborists can use resources, like a wildlife biologist, to conduct a survey of a large site, as well as an on-call wildlife rescue center for when an active nest or injured animal is encountered. Many resources are available for training staff, like connecting with your local Audubon Society, wildlife departments or agencies, and wildlife care centers. Conserving Wildlife Habitat Trees There is no question that arborists should be considering what trees and parts of trees can be kept as wildlife habitat. But before considering what tree features to preserve, I think it's important to consider what types of wildlife could benefit most from arborists being focused on conserving wildlife habitat trees. Cavity Dwellers one type in tree-dependent wildlife species that should stand out to arborists are those that dwell in tree cavities. These animals need the presence of decay, hollows, dead wood, and or a snag that is a standing dead tree. The survivability for many of these wildlife species is determined by the existence of dead or dying trees. Among the several species critically dependent upon tree cavities are wood duck, mandarin duck, pileated woodpecker, great horned owl, kestrel, chickadee, clouded salamander, and flying squirrel. It is because of habitat loss from land conversion from agriculture, deforestation, and urban sprawl that many of these species continue to be threatened. For example, the Carolina parakeet was a cavity dweller. In 1920, this bird was reported extinct by the International Union for Conservation of Nature. Deforestation was a major contributor to this outcome. This bird, the only native parakeet to North America, was once found from the eastern seaboard to Colorado. Regardless of our intentions as arborists, we impact the survival of these animals when removing or retaining trees or parts of trees. Our impacts can be positive or, sometimes, without even knowing, negative.
by identifying deadwood cavities and hollows in a tree, recommending that tree's removal, chipping it up, and removing it from the site, those arborists are partially responsible for the destruction of wildlife habitat in urban areas. Arborists have a unique opportunity to preserve, create, and restore habitat for wildlife. Sometimes the best practice may be to identify a habitat's value and, if possible, retain it. Deadwood, snags, and wildlife trees. There's still much to be understood about the value of dead trees in our community. One consideration might be the detrivores and decaying organisms that are present during the process of decomposition in wood. Decaying organisms that cause heart rot in trees create hollows. Woodpeckers use specialized sensory methods to locate this type of decay within trees, excavate the wood surrounding the decay, and make their homes in it. There are times when it's more appropriate to remove dead wood, but can arborists find opportunities to retain it? According to Dr. Edward Gilman, author of An Illustrated Guide to Pruning 2002, there is no evidence at this time that supports the statement, removing dead wood improves tree health. Valuing dead wood and dead trees have been emerging topics of debate in professional arboriculture for some time now. For example, the term crown clean has been removed from the ANSI A300 standards section on pruning, as well as from arboricultural best management practices. The term, of course, refers to the removal of dead wood as non-beneficial parts of the tree, which is not true with regards to wildlife habitat and its vitality to dependent species. So how do we value dead trees in urban areas? We can certainly find a correlation between the loss of dead wood as habitat and the populations of wildlife that depend on it. It's also true that there is far more wildlife living in the cycle of dead trees than of living trees. Is there a way to know when a habitat snag is safe? This is most often determined by factors such as the tree's likelihood of failure, its height, and its distance from a target. We should remember that dead trees are still trees and that the same systematic approach of tree risk assessment can be used. Are dead trees more likely to fall than live trees? Not necessarily. It's recommended that when we are creating or retaining deadwood for wildlife habitat, plans for return visits are implemented to monitor structural integrity. Snags can be broken up into several categories or stages of decomposition. Assessments of snags can be performed with various methods such as pull testing. One point to remember is that the range of species capable of using dead trees as habitat varies as the height of a snag changes. Not all snags left for habitat need to be tall. Some species like nuthatch, house wren, and chickadee prefer nesting sites in snags as low as 5 to 15 feet. 1.25 to 4.57 meters. The importance of mature trees. Young tree structure cannot replace old tree structure in terms of habitat, no matter how many trees we plant. Another way to say this is that an infinite number of young trees cannot offer what one old tree can provide. Habitat features that increase with tree age may consist of greater structural complexity, an abundance of cavities, height gradient, elaborate root systems, and large deadwood and decaying substrate. In this article, let's also include epiphytes as wildlife flora that require specific tree structures and composition. For many forests, old trees that produce large branches offer adequate horizontal space for epiphytic communities to take hold, thrive, and provide an abundance of diverse life. Creating Wildlife Habitat Trees all living organisms have habitat preferences, from the bacteria in your stomach to the blue whale in the ocean. In nature, habitat preference is central to vitality. Cavity dwellers that live in trees are no different. 
Each species is conditioned for an ideal range of temperature, distance from food source, moisture, shelter, and protection from predators. Table 1 in the article, for example, is a cavity preference table for Oriental Pied Hornbill, an avian native to southeastern Asia. During the summer, many bat species roost in the spaces behind loose bark. These spaces are occupied after a tree or tree part dies, begins to dry out, and the process of bark sloughing occurs. Similarly, bats will sometimes use steeply sloped, old-shake roofs if the entrance space is appropriate. Bats use these spaces for day and night roosting. Some bats, like little brown bats in the Pacific Northwest, rely on these habitat crevices near their source of prey, which mostly consists of mosquitoes, beetles, moths, flies, and gnats. Amazingly, bats can eat 600 to 1,000 mosquitoes an hour and up to 6,000 a night. The constant loss of habitat for bats has had a great impact on their populations. This is especially true in the urban, rural, and interface areas where most arborists work. An option for enhancing habitat snags for bats is to artificially create roosting sites with the use of a saw. Hollows for cavity-dwelling wildlife have been monitored and measured for decades, and in some cases, centuries. This information has offered arborists the ability to recognize and also create cavities specific for each species. Specifications are made from criteria such as cavity dimensions, orientation, aspect, distance from water, height from the ground, and used by primary or secondary excavators and potential predators, among other things. Arborists and foresters from the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K. have been implementing practices using chainsaws to create cavities and other types of habitat in trees for wildlife conservation. This is significant in that arborists are successfully using nearly the same methods to create habitat for unrelated wildlife species oceans apart. In May 2017, I traveled to Borneo to present similar techniques for a bird I have since become fascinated with, the hornbill. There are over 60 species of hornbill that exist among forests in Africa and throughout southeastern Asia. All hornbills are cavity-dwelling, and several are threatened by extinction. The illustrations provided here are for the steps applied to produce an inset cavity for oriental peat hornbill for Sarawak forestry in Malaysia. Conclusion I believe that someday arborists will offer services like wildlife habitat retention, enhancement, and creation as part of their regular services to the public. As an arborist, I make many decisions with wildlife in mind. Arborists have unique access to climb, study, and manage habitat in trees. Encountering opportunities around wildlife habitat are constant occurrences for arborists. These may be recognized by a tree's size, age, architecture, condition, and environmental surroundings. Some opportunities may present themselves as trees that have experienced large failures and are now being considered for removal, lightning-struck trees, topped trees, suppressed trees, or invasive tree species. In general, it is good practice to be aware of wildlife protection laws, to leave habitat alone when possible, and to consider what season the work shall be conducted in. Finally, remember that your professional decisions are impacting wildlife. Additional readings? Brown, 2002, Creating and Maintaining Wildlife, Insect, and Fish Habitat Structures in Deadwood, USDA Forest Service General Technical Report, PSW, GTR 181. Dunster, 1998, The Role of Arborists Providing Wildlife Habitat and Landscape Linkages Throughout the Urban Forest, Journal of Arboriculture 24. Fay, 2003, Natural Fracture Pruning Techniques and Coronet Cuts, Arbor Ecology. 
Helm 2014 Information Sheet Series, Trees for Habitat, The Living Tree Company. Kenyon and Kenyon 2010 Pruning for Habitat Workshops, Victorian Tree Industry Organization, TreeNet. Brian French is a skilled climber with a broad range of arboricultural-related experience and certifications, such as certified arborist, certified tree worker, and tree risk assessor. He is an ISA-certified arborist, practicing for over 18 years in Oregon and abroad. He is dedicated to and a contributor of cutting-edge research for a better understanding of trees and safer work practices for arborists worldwide. Visit his website, www.arboriculture.international. Thank you for listening to this month's Arborist News Audio Podcast. An online quiz worth one CEU is available now to current ISA members. This quiz will become available to non-members in February of 2019. Visit the ISA web store and search for online quizzes for the most recent CEU opportunities. Arborist News is ISA's bi-monthly serial publication that provides readers with the latest in arboricultural news and education. This magazine is an ISA member benefit and offers opportunities for ISA credential holders to earn CEUs. Become a member today to start receiving Arborist News in your mailbox or your inbox. Please check back for the next Arborist News audio. Thank you.